I get it. I get that NGO organisations are an industry for many of the European donors that fund these organisations. And also that many middle class Malawians would struggle to find work if NGOs were not there to pay them peanuts for doing the real life saving work of these organisations. I get all that, but I'm still complaining because I have always been taught that if I know better, then I must do better. So I did. My name is Dr. Asha Sefanit Wadasi. And like many people of African descent, I used to live in the UK, but I always had a dream which developed into a plan to move to an African country of my dreams. After traveling around several African countries on the African continent, I finally settled on Malawi, a small country the size of the UK, which is in the east side of the African continent. And I love it here. My podcast is about my life in Malawi, how I got here, how I'm managing to stay here, and some of the interesting things I get up to during my daily life. I also focus on helping you to break through with your own best life plans for living in your own hot country of your dreams or just having the life you want. I also look at your money freedoms, your job freedoms and many other things that can help you to get that best life. So stick with me as I take you through the living your best life in Africa experience. It's going to be a blast. Greetings. Thanks for listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. You're listening to episode 139. So if you listened to last week's episode, you'll know that one of the top five things I hate about Malawi is the overwhelming presence of European NGOs. NGOs being non-governmental organisations who, despite decades of white saviour do-goodism in Malawi, still focus on giving Malawians fish rather than teaching Malawians how to fish. Because the whole purpose of NGOs is to keep African people dependent and to keep themselves relevant. Because for those people working in the charities, it's their life. Their mortgages depend on Africans needing their help. And remember, I get it. I get that NGO organisations are an industry for many of the European donors that fund these organisations. And also that many middle class Malawians would struggle to find work if NGOs were not there to pay them peanuts for doing the real life saving work of these organisations. I get all of that, but I'm still complaining because I've always been taught that if I know better, then I must do better. So I did. So guess what? I set up my own Malawian charity. My charity is a fully fledged charity that is fully registered as a charitable enterprise with the Malawian Charity Commission and Company's House. And I'm stoked about that. My charity is called the African Children's Achievement Project. And yes, if you know anything about me, you will recognise that the name of this charity sounds very familiar to a charity I co-founded in the UK called the African Caribbean Achievement Project, or ACAP, as we are more commonly known. 
I was a co-founding member of ACAP, the charity, in 1995, having worked with a group of people to set up the organisation some years before, with a focus on promoting the educational and life skill development interests of African and Caribbean children aged five years and upwards. All of that happening in the West Yorkshire area of the UK. ACAP is still going strong today, 27 years later. And if you want to see the great work our charity is doing, led by Claudia McFarlane, our charity director, you can visit our website at acap.org.uk. And you can also follow us on all our social media sites to see the most up-to-date projects that we're running. Currently, we've just published a book on the Windrush stories of three generations of African Caribbeans in the West Yorkshire area. The book is called Windrush, Three Generations, Stories of Hope, Courage and Success. We love this book and we're very proud of this project. And you can purchase your own copy of the book through Amazon. And I'll put a link to the book in the show notes for this podcast episode if you want to see what the book looks like and purchase a copy. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. So the work I've been doing with ACAP, my UK charity, for over 27 years was my main inspiration for setting up my charity in Malawi. As stated earlier, my Malawian charity is called the African Children's Achievement Project, or ACAP Malawi for short. And the main aim of the charity is to support the educational development and life skill needs and aspirations of children in Malawi. Now, I called the charity ACAP for a very deliberate reason, which is that of eventually twinning my charity in Malawi with our charity in Bradford, West Yorkshire. You know that twinning thing. I remember when I was at school and suddenly I would come into school one day and the teacher would tell us that our school was suddenly twinned with a school in Germany or the Netherlands, places which we had never heard of and places which were very, very white, despite our school being very, very not white. And I always remember that when the teachers used to organise exchanges between our schools, only white children would go on these exchanges. I remember asking my mum if I could go on one of these trips to the Netherlands. And I'm still waiting for her answer until today. I still remember the look she gave me as if to say, what does this country have in common with you? And I didn't get it when I was younger. I just thought my mum was miserable and didn't understand me. But I get it now. I get that what my mum was really trying to say was, why is your school not twinned to a school in Dominica? Which was and is the largest Caribbean community living in Bradford and attending my school at the time. That's what my mum was thinking. And she was right. Why wasn't our school twinning with a school in Dominica? And I think we all know the answer to that. So when I grew up, 
I decided to stop complaining and do better. And I set up my charity in Malawi and I'm planning to twin my charity with ACAP, the black charity in Bradford, which serves the Dominican, Grenadian, Karakou and St. Christopher and Nevis communities of West Yorkshire. And I'm really proud of this. To set up my Malawian charity, I had to go to the Malawi company's office and get the forms, which I had to pay for. What you find in Malawi is that everything you do in the formal world, you will have to pay for because everything is self-funded. Contrast that with the UK, for example, where you can go to any formal building and ask for forms or leaflets or pamphlets. And the cost of producing these documents is borne by the company in the firm belief that giving you the forms is an investment in hopefully securing your business later on down the line. It's the same in Malawi when they give you the forms, but you must pay for your forms because Malawi can't afford to give anything away for free. So I get photocopies of the forms and I think I paid about £15 for the forms and the registration fee for my charity. I then had to take the forms away and complete the forms as I went along because there were certain things that I had to do for my charity to be formally recognised and entered on the Malawi Register of Companies as a charity limited by guarantee under the Malawi Companies Act. So the first thing I had to do was to gather my trustees who would help me to formally manage the charity. Now, this wasn't easy because my circle of influence in Malawi, as you can imagine, is very small, as is my mastery of Chichewa, the local language, which I might have to speak to communicate with my trustees. And also, remember that I'm setting up the charity at a time just before the pandemic and before we knew that online working and linking with people across the four corners of the world would become an acceptable thing. So in my mind, I'm thinking all my trustees would need to be based in the same local area in Malawi so that I could communicate with everyone about the workings of the charity. I also thought I needed to choose people who lived in the same city in Malawi, which was Blantyre, again, because I thought about the ease with which everyone would need to travel to meetings. Clearly, things have changed post-pandemic, and I don't feel like this now. And even I've moved cities from Blantyre to Salima, which is about 380 kilometres or 237 miles from Blantyre. Post-pandemic, I'm much more confident about people not needing to be in the same room as each other to have productive business meetings. So it's all online for me. The next hurdle I had was to get an address for my charity. You would think that would be easy, right? (laughs) Wrong. Picture the scene. A lot of Malawi is very rural because the main industry in the country is agriculture. But whilst there are a lot of houses, there aren't a lot of street signs. And instead, everyone in the village just knows where everyone else lives. So in referring to me, they'll say something like, Oh, you mean the one with the big hair? She? Yes. You go up so, right so, left so, down so, and along so, and you'll see the house with the green gate. And everyone finds you. 
But for a legal charity, this address is too long. So we deal with this by getting a PO box to act as our physical addresses. And it can be quite costly to set up a PO box, but it does become cheaper after the first year because the setup fee includes a registration fee, <laughs> like everything else in Malawi. So I paid about £40 to set up the PO box and that became the address for the charity. I then had to fill in my memorandum of association, which is exactly like the memorandum of association that you would fill in in the UK. And the MOA tells everyone the name of my charity and the objectives of my charity, which in other words means what will my charity be seeking to achieve. It also tells you about the activities of my charity, sort of like how my charity will achieve its objectives. All pretty standard in the charity setup process. I then had to provide the names and addresses of all my trustees and all my trustees had to sign the memorandum of association. Now, how I got round this was by sheer coincidence. There happened to be a large party going on in Blantyre with a couple of big named people who live in the UK but were coming to Malawi to celebrate their wedding, which had taken place in the UK. So my husband and I, we knew all the people. So we went along to the wedding party and bought the signature sheet with us. And whilst the people were all in a happy mood, I spoke to them about my charity and I got them to agree to be trustees of my charity. And seven people met with me the next day and formally agreed to be trustees of my charity. They approved the minutes of our first meeting, which is our incorporation meeting, and they signed my charity declaration form to formally become trustees of my charity. It felt so good. I then had to take that declaration sheet with all the signatures and a typed minute of the meeting we had to the charity office. I then had to pay a fee to cover the cost of my incorporation certificate, which was about £25, and then go away. And a word of advice here. If you're ever planning to dig up and move to another country, take a portable printer with you and some ink refills. Do you know what? It's the most valuable thing that I ever did because it speeds things up tremendously. If you can imagine, things are so far away that for me to have to go to an internet cafe, find my papers on their screens, print them out, then take them back, then get people to sign the forms. All of that takes time and having that printer short-circuited this time by about 75 to 80 percent. So I've paid the 25 pounds and I've gone away and I had to go away because things take time in Malawi and I think it was about another three to four weeks when I received the final documents telling me that my charity is now live. I received a beautiful certificate of incorporation, which looks a lot like the certificates you get from Companies House in the UK. It has the same feel and colour to it, like it's an important document, which I guess it is. My certificate has a registration number and is signed and sealed by the Senior Assistant Registrar of Companies. Done! 
That's how easy it is to set up a charity in Malawi. And so you can understand why every Tom, Dick and Sophie goes to Malawi to set up a charity. Because it's as easy as that. Malawi, as a country, wants its people to be helped. It's just that I'm not sure how healthy it is, as I've said, to keep Malawians dependent and not teach skills that foster independence and self-determination. Since I set up my charity, I've been supporting two girls who are sisters by supporting them to go through school. The girls were abandoned by their mother not long after the youngest girl was born and there are three years between the birth dates of the girls. And I found this to be so rewarding and I've become really, really close to the girls and consider myself to have adopted them. And through the charity, I can see that in Malawi, a little goes such a long way and can change people's lives in unimaginable ways. My future plans for my charity are about focusing on bringing STEM learning to children aged 5 to 18. STEM being the study of science, technology, engineering and maths. And the beauty about how COVID has changed the teaching landscape is that I can now do all of this without ever having to bring a single person to Malawi. And as I said earlier, COVID has taught me that I can now have the best teachers I can find without those teachers ever having to leave their homes or their countries. And that, to me, throws up all kinds of wonderful possibilities about the amazing quality of learning that I will be able to deliver to children in Malawi. But my starting point with my charity is that I'm in discussions to twin my African Children's Achievement Project charity with our African Caribbean Achievement Projects charity in the UK. Why? Because I can and because we have the power to decide and determine our own destiny. And one day I hope to be able to arrange an exchange of students from both countries so they can see how each other live and learn. For now, I just want to celebrate the fact that there is nothing we cannot do for ourselves and for the upliftment of any country linked to our parents and best life plans. We can do it. We just have to focus our energy in a different way. For me, I have to stop complaining about what is wrong with the picture I see in others who are taking advantage of Africans in our countries and instead provide an alternative narrative and experience that demonstrates that Africans in the West and from the West can also play our part in supporting the upliftment and upskilling of African children and African people in their countries. And that, for me, is one of the greatest inspirational things that we can do for ourselves and for others. And remember, if you're looking for some inspiration, you can still download my free Best Life Starter Pack, which gives you lots of interesting checklists and tips about things you can do now to assess where you are in your Best Life plans. So that if you decide to visit a home country of your parents or an African country, 
maybe you might be in a position to start thinking about what you might like to leave as your legacy or what you might like to do just to help people. There is always room and there are always solutions for the committed. So make 2022 the year you decide to invest some money in yourself towards looking at what is out there for you. It's not going to cost you anything. To help you, you can download the pack which contains everything you need to get you started. You can find the pack at livingyourbestlifeinafrica.com forward slash pack. That's livingyourbestlifeinafrica.com forward slash pack. And remember that Africa is spelt with a K. I'll also put the link to the pack in the show notes for this episode, alongside the link for the Windrush book. I hope in some way that my humble efforts inspire you as it has inspired me to think about the power we have to make that positive difference, no matter how small. If you've travelled to our countries, you will know that our people appreciate even the smallest thing that you can do or you can give. It just takes that first step. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha, and for this week, I'm 